Welcome to Louisiana Lefty, a podcast about politics and community in Louisiana, where we make the case that the health of the state requires a strong progressive movement fueled by the critical work of organizing on the ground. Our goal is to democratize information, demystify party politics, and empower you to join the mission because victory for Louisiana really does require you. I'm your host, Linda Woolard. We've just completed season five and we'll return with season six in August. We're now on summer break and that's when we tend to turn out mini pods rather than full episodes. However, many would be a misrepresentation here since this is essentially a full length podcast. So we'll just call it a bonus episode. Louisiana has our big state elections coming up this fall. So this is a huge year for state politics. Qualifying for elected offices occurs in August, and we'll talk about those races this fall. But I want to continue to call your attention to the Democratic State Central Committee, the governing body of the Louisiana Democratic Party, for which qualifying happens in December. We're going to spend our entire summer break focusing on this. And why do we keep doing podcasts about the state party? Well, that'll become clearer with each episode we release on it. I've invited Stephen Hanwork back, or as we call him, the professor, to come share his expertise. We'll try to answer some of the questions I've received as I've talked to folks across the state. My firm belief is that without a robust Democratic Party that's doing the work of electing more Democrats and sometimes better Democrats, there will be no real protections for workers' rights, civil rights, women's rights, LGBTQ plus rights, student rights, voting rights, disability rights, and so on, not to mention protections for our citizens from climate change, environmental toxins, and insurance companies leaving the state. At this moment in history, I believe who leads the Louisiana Democratic Party, how the party conducts its business, and which issues the party champions are every bit as important as the elections we'll have for statewide offices this fall. Because long-term, it's gonna determine who we elect in four years. And if you weren't encouraged by our most recent round of redistricting fights, you should be preparing for the next round now because you can believe the LAGOP is. I think the question that must be asked is how does this state remain viable without a democratic party that provides seats at the table for all our various constituencies, rather than one that just protects a handful of chosen insiders. The Democratic Party is meant to represent all of us. The time for rank and file Democrats to impact how they want the party to represent them is fast approaching. And as the great Shirley Chisholm tried to tell us, if they don't give you a seat at the table, bring a folding chair. Stephen Handwork, welcome back to Louisiana Lefty. Linda Woolard, it is a pleasure. Well, we've just finished up season five of the podcast. And so we're in summer break. And as regular listeners will know, we do these mini pods during our winter and summer break. So that's what we're doing right now. And I'm going to have you on all three of my mini pods this summer because I want to talk about stuff that should be happening with the state party. 
Yeah, I mean, it's going to be a busy time if done right. Um, and uh, that's what we're hoping for, at least, right? So right before season five, you and I did an extra episode, a bonus episode about how we get a state party chair. And yeah. we talked a lot about the DSCC members, Democratic State Central Committee members who elect that chair and Correct. how we get those members. So as I've talked to folks who are considering this as maybe wanting to engage themselves and, and be more involved in the Democratic Party in Louisiana, the question I get over and over again is, well, what do these Democratic State Central Committee members do? What are the requirements? What's expected of them? What do they do? Can you answer that question? And I ask you specifically because you worked for the state party for so many years, but you also have served as a DSCC member. So you have firsthand experience as well as this institutional knowledge. I think that you bring up a really good question, you know, just as um, as that uh, a 20 second refresher, you know, there are 105 seats in the state house, which means that there are 210 seats in the state central committee because we have a male and a female representative from every state house district. And I would just like to point out that that system was set up when the Democratic Party was trying to achieve some equity to make sure that women were also included in the politics of the state party. What we have now is a system that has not evolved to include non-gender conforming or gender fluid people. And so folks have actually asked me about that too. And what I'll say is if you care about that, you do need to become more involved with the party because there's no changing that prior to the next election. The system is set up how it's going to be for now. So if you'd like that to be changed in some way, and I don't know what the answer to changing that is to make it remain equitable, but there are better people than me that will come up with those solutions. And I would suggest to them that they should be involved so they can make those changes for future elections. So I just wanted to add that. So I'm sorry that I interrupted you. No, but that's perfectly fine. And that's a very valid point. And, uh, you know, so so looking at those districts currently, uh, as you point out, that is a male and a female role. If you are um, uh, gender nonconforming, if you are gender fluid, if you are uh, trans, you can certainly run for whatever seat you want. Um, we do not have a provision right now that would um, kick you out of that seat. And of course, there's many of us that would fight something like that uh, incredibly hard. And the DNC also is trying to uh, modernize its policies. And I'm, I'm very happy to see what they're doing, especially with the uh, delegate selection plans this year coming in from states all across the country. But that probably, as Linda Wooler would say, that's another podcast. Um, but the great thing is the time to, to, to um, if you're frustrated with the party, um, if you are concerned about the party's direction, the time to qualify and throw your name in and run for one of these seats is coming up really soon. So digging into Linda's question, what is the job? And like, if you run for these seats, what is it? Well, it can be really anything you want it to be. If you, you can think of yourself as a legislator, as a state legislator for the Louisiana Democratic Party, and you can be involved as much as you possibly want. Um, and here's why I mean by that. Um, there are certain charges uh, right in the front 
Article One uh, of the State Party Constitution and the State Party Bylaws that literally tell you uh, what the party's responsible for. It's conducting a national convention every four years to nominate a president. It is uh, being the local franchise, if you will, of the Democratic Party and upholding those principles that we all should hold dear. Uh, it is going out and registering voters, being active in your community, setting up community projects, uh, making sure that elections are being held fair and consistently, making sure candidates are not only recruited, but they're trained, they're ready to go uh, so that they can be, uh, they can truly compete uh, for these uh, okay, races. So, so, you're, so you're talking about what the state party does, but what, what are the responsibilities? No, 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 state central committees. I, I'm saying it is the state central committee members' responsibility to do those things. Um, and you will see about 10 to 15% of those members throughout the state are incredibly involved. Um, okay. And that is what they're doing. Um, we have some great leaders. What are the bare minimum responsibilities that a DSCC member is required to do? My understanding and what I've told people, so you can correct me if I'm wrong, is that there are four meetings that are held in Baton Rouge at the Capitol, most likely. There are four meetings every year, one every quarter. And they should show up for those. They can send a proxy, but they are really supposed to show up for those meetings. Is that correct? Absolutely. And show up does not just mean, you know, being present. Um, it should mean you're actively participating. Uh, but yeah, that is the minimum requirement is you are going to have those four meetings per year. There may be more, especially now with telecommunications with Zooms. Um, uh, there may be more to discuss certain matters, to give briefings, uh, to talk about big things that are happening. Um, and I'm hoping uh, that there are are more of those to be able to bring more people into the fold. But at the very bare minimum, yeah, you got to go to those meetings. And the very first one of those is where you would elect party leadership, right? All the That's chair, right. first vice chair, all, all the way down to DNC committee members and clerk. That's exactly right. Yep, that's exactly right. There is about 21, if I count correctly, there's about 21 seats uh, that are in the Constitution or bylaws that the members will then elect at that first meeting, which will typically take place. So the election is going to take place in March, right, where people get elected and you'll be on the ballot as long as you're running against someone. You'll actually get to go and vote for yourself. Um, at the same time, uh, then 30 days after that election, um, then there will be an organizing meeting. So that's going to, you think about it, it's going to be sometime in April of 2024 will be that organization meeting uh, that folks will come and you'll get a chance to vote on every single one of those positions, that, uh, those that, 21. That make up the executive committee. That's right. That's right. And that's chair, vice chairs, all of those. And those will be the individuals that run the party on a day-to-day -day basis. The large speaking of the bylaws says that in the day-to-day -day operations, it's the executive committee because it's smaller. It's assumed to be more nimble. Those individuals can get together a lot quicker in order to be able to make decisions about the party. So again, that's another opportunity for you to then consider running for those positions as well. Right. So you can run for the DSCC. If you want to be more involved than just a DSCC right. member, you can run for one of these leadership positions. But there are other opportunities. You can serve on committees also. 
Absolutely. There are several standing committees, and I, I would have to refresh myself uh, with uh, the bylaws changes that just happened last year with the Louisiana Democratic Party to find out exactly which committees there are. But my understanding are uh, is that we at least uh, we have a rules and bylaws committee. So if you are a rules maven, if you uh, have some experience in how to conduct meetings uh, and all of that, I think that's a great place for you to be. If you would like to help steer the party, we do not have a a uh, convention where we come up with a platform for the Louisiana Democratic Party. At least we haven't in the past, and I'm hoping we don't in the future. Again, probably could be another podcast. But the reason why I mention that is the resolutions are really what steer the day-to-day focus of the party. So, for example, if when we go, get ready to go into a legislative session, the party usually passes a package of resolutions calling on legislators and the governor to actually enact certain new laws in order to protect folks, in order to stand up for our values, in order to argue for money for the budget on important things. So it's really a very active committee um, that should be leaning in and coming up with those resolutions in order to be able to take a firm stance. And the resolutions committee will take their recommendations of resolutions to the full body of the DSCC. So those quarterly meetings you go to, that's another thing you do. You vote on the resolutions that shape what the so-called platform of the party would be. Yeah, the the direction. Yeah, the direction. I mean, largely those resolutions, the way I treated it while I was executive director, those were my marching orders until the next meeting. Um, Those were the hills that I was to fight on. Um, uh, whether it's endorsing candidates via resolution, whether it is uh, endorsing legislation, whether it's calling out certain legislators. Um, but yes, it will be up to those members to vote those, to consider those. Um, and when you get that package in your email with all those different resolutions, you should plan to spend some time with it. So prepping for that meeting is incredibly important as well. So those are two of the probably most focused committees. There's also budget and finance. Um, if you're going to be on that, uh, hopefully, I think that they they might have a, f- a fundraising committee as well. I don't know exactly how engaged they are, but certainly if you have a background in fundraising, if you have a lot of wealthy friends or if you yourself are there, um, you should certainly serve on that committee. There are multiple different on-ramps to play larger roles uh, for these positions, especially once you get elected to be a member of the body. Um, those people, those individuals need to be considered first in placement on any of these standing committees. Um, and so if you want to do any of that, you should run. How do you get on a standing committee? You have to be appointed or elected. How does that work? Typically, uh, what happens is at the reorganization meeting, once we elect all of the officers, there will be a follow-up meeting, usually within 90 days of that uh, new chair being elected. At that meeting uh, is where the chair will announce who is on each of the committees. Um, How we did it was, as soon as that meeting gaveled out, I usually sent out some sort of either a Google survey or an email saying if you are interested in serving in any of these committees, and I gave a great big definition of each one of those committees so that they knew what they were getting into. If you're interested in serving on any of these, please let us know. And then those were the individuals that we first considered uh, to put on those committees. Now, 
what ends up happening, and, and you and I have talked about this, sometimes lamented about it, the power invested in the chair of the party is great when it comes to these things. Uh, the chair can pick and choose who actually gets on those committees. So, you know, if you've been known to stand up for your values and, and not always be a go along to get along person, uh, but are actually there to fight for causes and issues that you hold dear, those uh, positions might be a little bit harder to get for you. Uh, that doesn't mean that you shouldn't show up. That doesn't mean you shouldn't fight like hell uh, to be a part of them. And again, when you go back to the rules of the party, every single time one of those committees meet, you have to, uh, they have to let you come. It, even if you're not a member of the committee. Now they don't have to recognize you, but you can certainly pay witness uh, to anything that those committees are doing in your name after all, because they are acting on behalf of the entire party. And I think sunlight's important. So even if you are not placed on a committee, being able to report back to the public and to the rank and file Democrats what's happening with the state party is still really important. And there probably should be a better mechanism for doing that than we currently have. I don't, again, better people than me can come up with what that is, but there should be some sort of you know, once upon a time, maybe we'd call them blogs. Maybe it would now be called yeah. a Substack, right? Um, yeah. But they'd be great to have a Substack of folks who monitor these committees and these meetings and just report back what's happening so that that's made available to the public. So, uh, yeah, so I think that that's great for somebody out there who might want to do that. Absolutely. Um, this also, Stephen, though, underscores the importance of electing a chair that represents your values and what you believe yeah. the values of the democratic party should be because of that great power. Let me just say, you know, we're in a situation right now where there is some confusion about endorsements. That's another one of those things that these DSCC members do. The executive committee currently is set up to make recommendations of who they think should be endorsed, but the DSCC, the full body votes on, who gets endorsed yeah. as Democratic candidates in our elections. And there's a situation right now where there were some new bylaws passed, to my understanding, that changed up a little bit how those endorsements go. And now because it's not going the way the current chair would like, they're trying to bypass the bylaws to do some endorsements. Yeah. And while I understand members are on board with actually making these endorsements. I also hear they would like to do it in the way the bylaws specify they should be done. Right. And, and that's a very difficult thing. I mean, this is why all of these things matter. Um, this is why it matters to actually be smart and actually open up the process for new bylaws. Uh, there were many of us who have been around for a while um, who have a lot of experience with bylaws and actually conducting the affairs of the party. Um, every single past executive director of the party that I work with and am in communication with all argued against the passage of these current bylaws um, because you never want to put yourself into handcuffs. I mean, imagine if we were not able to organize behind John Bell Edwards when we did, uh, as early as we did. The bylaws used to say that, it, you know, once qualifying happens, uh, the chair of the party in consultation with the executive committee can call a meeting to consider endorsements for any of the positions. Notice it didn't say you can't do it until qualifying is closed. Now the bylaws say that. 
And so let's just think about this logically for a second. You're not going to know who your candidates are until the late August, early September for an October election. How in the world is that enough runway in order to be able to build a momentum and a team behind. I mean, you and I were both working John Bell's election. Imagine if we would have been that far behind and only had that little bit of time. We wouldn't have had uh, people in place to work the phones or to make calls or to knock doors, or we wouldn't have had mail program ready. We wouldn't have had any of that stuff done, right? And so that was that's a real huge obstacle that they're currently trying to deal with. And that's why these committees are so important. Significantly, and this is what I keep telling people, because there are folks who will push back on me when I say, you know, really important to get engaged with the party, would rather not really be engaged because I can do A, B, and C through this C 501c3 or this 501c4 like yes but there are funding mechanisms that the louisiana democratic party has that no other community group or nonprofit in the state is capable of having so yes that is a significant asset that progressives and liberals and democrats are allowing to go unused or insufficiently used yep or incorrectly used over and over again if they're not saying i will take an active role in the party and make sure that it's the party i want to represent me so that's the same thing that the funding mechanism that that party has if you're not endorsing a candidate early enough in the cycle you're not able to trigger that funding mechanism early that's 100% true. And let me let me explain it this way, because this is something that really resonates with me as I speak across the country uh, to different parties as they're setting up their new leaderships and we're helping train up their staff. I just did a national training where I was training all of the executive directors across the country. One of the, the best ways to describe this is your state party is the only, the only legal entity that can coordinate with Um, with virtually unrestricted ways with every single candidate or cause that would be on a ballot anywhere in your state. That means unlimited coordination with the presidentials, unlimited coordinations with your U.S. Senate, unlimited coordination with your state house races, with your gubernatorial candidates. It's the only legal entity that can do that. If you're a C4, you cannot coordinate on expenditures. If you're a PAC, you cannot coordinate on expenditures. That means that, yeah, you might be able to raise money because you're supporting that candidate. A lot of people gravitate now towards these sexy super PACs or these 527s. Well, at the end of the day, that they're great and Lord knows that they're useful in some regards, but at the end of the day, they can't coordinate. So you, who have run multiple campaigns in your experience, can literally tell everyone that, look, I love the PACs that come in and help, but at the end of the day, I can't legally tell them, you go after this community, I'm going to go after that community, then we'll meet together with these talking points. That's illegal. It's called coordination. And because of that, the only way that you can have that sort of coordination is through the state party. And the problem is, as you just pointed out, you can only do that in a five or six week window with the way their current bylaws is set up. So once again, we've reiterated the importance of people engaging with their party and becoming more active and becoming members. 
we did a deeper dive on why to run and how to run in a different episode before season five started. And I'll link to that in the episode notes in case people want a refresher, in case they missed it. But let's go back to what the expectations of DSCC members are. Just to recap, the bare minimum, you're elected. You show up to that first organizational meeting, you vote on the state party chair and all the leadership roles. That's job one. Yes. Yep. You could theoretically only show up for these four meetings that happen a year. If you really just wanted bare minimum involvement, you could even send a proxy <laughs> to some of those meetings. And my recommendation would always be to choose who you send your proxy with. Make sure you're sending your proxy with someone who aligns again with your values. Don't just give it to whoever the chair is, because then the chair is going to give it to somebody that aligns with their values, and that may or may not be yours. So that's number one. So that's the bare minimum. But there's a range. There's a whole range of involvement between that bare minimum and being chair or being involved on a day-to-day -day basis, everyday basis. There's congressional caucuses where you can be more involved in your region of the state, doing some of the things you were talking about, which are voter registration or party building efforts where you're just trying to get more people engaged with the party, which I think needs to happen. I know when I was there with you at the party, the directive we had, the three things we asked DSCC members to do, and at the time, not too many of them were interested in doing this, was to either engage in fundraising for the party, to engage as a surrogate for the party, which means that you learn the talking points and you learn how to go out and speak in your community on behalf of the party, go speak to radio stations, TV stations, you become a contact for journalists. And then the third thing was become a grassroots activist at the time that was housed under the Team Blue Dat moniker that I ran. Mm -hmm. And we had a nice group of grassroots activists. Very few of them were actually DSCC members. And that's part of the reason why we set Team Blue Dad up the way that we did was so that you did not have to get elected to the party to be engaged on a daily basis. But that is still something folks who get elected to these DSCC seats could, could do is be a grassroots activist for the party. And that was engaging on social media, again, registering voters, turning out voters, getting on the phones and turning out voters for John Bell Edwards or whoever we were working for, knocking doors, all, all the things. So um, those are the things we offered as things the DSCC members could do. And there's no reason <laughs> that folks could not do that and, and be engaged in those ways as aggressively and consistently as they'd like if they were elected mm -hmm. to these seats. Just as a reminder, qualifying is going to be happening before we even know it. Uh, it's going to be happening in December, and folks are going to need to go to their local clerk of court in order to fill out paperwork. And it's going to be $112.50 uh, in order for you to pay your qualifying fee uh, to run. To run for the DSCC seat in your house district. Correct, in your house district. Absolutely right. Absolutely right. And I remind people that while this election is run through the Secretary of State and shows up, you qualify 
and you show up on the ballot in March when we do our presidential preference primary. It's March 23rd. Oh, it is. Okay. So it'll be yep. March 23rd. So your name will be on the ballot. And again, we talked about running a mini election in that previous podcast. So people will need to run their mini election. It is, however, not an official election for the state. So there is no campaign finance law governing it. You do not have to file those kind of compliance records or any of that. Whatever money you spend on it, yep. that's on you. The Basically, the arrangement is the Secretary of State, out of the goodness of his heart or her heart, uh, as the elections will dictate in the future, um, conducts these elections for us, um, uh, but not uh, doesn't call the balls and the strikes. They don't get to choose who is truly qualified or not to qualify for these seats. That's actually the party. And so, you know, remember, qualifications, according to our bylaws now, is that you have to live in the district. Um, you have to assign yourself by your own choice, either to the male or the female seat. Okay, so uh, there is that hoop that we still have, and that is in state law, sadly. So it, it is going to be, to your earlier point, it's going to take a little bit of work to change that, but we're going to do it. Um, and that, I think, is, is, is the important part of this to remember. Those are, and you have to be a registered Democrat. Um, and so those are the qualifications that you have to have reside in the district uh, in that uh, you're 18 years or older at the time of the election. And the other piece that we like to remind people is there's no runoff. Whoever wins the race yeah. on the day is the victor. Whoever gets a plurality. Yeah. And so if you have, again, and I know you guys experience this even more so than other parts of the state down in New Orleans, you may have six eight people running for these DSCC seats. Uh, and at the end of the day, um, if we were doing runoffs, that probably would then take another month to decide. Uh, and so we don't do that. Um, what we do is it's going to be the plurality. Whoever gets the most votes wins. And that you could end up winning with 23% of the vote. We've seen it happen time and time again. Some seats go empty because nobody runs. And then some seats are elected with no opposition. So they never show up on the ballot. So if you right. are on a district, for instance, where only one person ever qualifies for the DSCC seat, you may not even know this organization exists because it's never showed up on your ballot. Hundred, That is so true, Linda. That is just so true. Um, and there are probably um, out of the 210 seats, there's probably usually about 30 to 40 of the seats that no one runs for. Um, they're just completely open. And so they won't be on the ballot because there will be nobody on the ballot for them. Mm -hmm. And then to your point, for the ones where there aren't contested races, where there aren't more than one pe person running, you know, you won't see those seats. Um, and but, but they're person there. Person automatically goes in. Yep. And, and that's like my last race, no one ran against me in my district. Uh, my district is kind of conservative. Um, and so no other male ran against me. And so therefore, I didn't really have a race. I didn't have to campaign. I was able to go around and help other people, though, um, which I thought was nice. Um, and I would hope that if I had a competition, somebody would help me out. But folks need to know that the majority of these seats are filled by people who go unopposed. And that yep. is not great either. 
No, it's really not. It's certainly not for democracy. And for those of you who want to run this seat, I mean, I think, Linda, you brought up a really salient point earlier that I really think should be teased out a little bit more. You know, you do represent every single one of the Democrats that lives in your state house district. That is literally your job to do. And so reporting back to them, maybe on a Substack, maybe on a Slack channel, maybe on a Facebook page, if that's where you're comfortable, um, you should be reporting back. And I know that we have some members that do that frequently report on what's going on. Um, but yeah, that's what you should be doing. But you should take to heart that you are speaking for all of them and that you should always make sure that you're touching base with your, you know, your core group of individuals. Um, I think that that's a really powerful thing to do. And I think it's the right thing to do because you are representing them. Well, and you pointed out the idea of people thinking about themselves as a legislator for their district. And there's nothing to stop you from having little coffee chats with other Democrats in your district it will probably help grow the Democratic Party as a as a party building measure to be able to say, I am the representative for this district. I'm going to have a monthly or a quarterly coffee chat or heck in Louisiana, you might want it to be held in a, a bar somewhere, whatever. Um, you could certainly invite your constituents out and alert them to what's going on with the Louisiana Democratic Party so that they feel more engaged. So there, again, yep. multiple ways to expand the role if your interest is in expanding the party. 100%. Uh, back uh, before COVID, we used to have a, a I think it was like a progressive uh, get together. I think we called it Blue Mondays. Uh, and it was one of the downtown bars here in Lafayette where basically all the progressives, the bar loved it because Monday was their slowest night. <laughs> and so they were looking for people to come in and maybe have a drink, order some appetizers. Uh, so they loved having us all come in and storm. They turned all the TVs over to MSNBC or watch debates and that kind of stuff. It was great. It's a wonderful way to be able to start building a community because all too often we feel like we're out here on an island by ourselves, mm -hmm. you know, screaming at the TV all alone. And you could do that in conjunction with other DSCC members in your, yes. say, Congressional Caucus, right? Yep. You could get together with a handful of other DSCC members and do stuff like that. And the way that they've done, like you called it Blue Mondays, they've had drinking liberalies. We used yes. to do like the, the crew of Hillary or uh, different things like that, where we basically would just show up somewhere and you know, we'd ask we used to have those. Yeah, it was we'd great. Ask in advance, right? We'd ask yep. in advance for, for you know, we're going to come. I mean, look, we did that all the way back to Barack Obama, where we would do the debate watch parties or the primary return watch parties. And we just ask a different bar that would be friendly to us if we could come and bring people. And like you said, it was often on a Tuesday night or something like that, where they weren't going to get a lot of business anyway. And we come in and we eat and we drink. We all pay our own way. But we'd yep. be able to talk politics and watch primary returns or whatever. It's a win-win. Yep. And also, too, I would, I would say that not only once you're in the seat, you get to basically treat yourself as a convener to do those sorts of things and build that coalition. You don't have to wait. You can start that now and start building a constituency that will then turn out and vote for you in March. Because turnout will, regretfully, will probably be a little low on the Democratic presidential preference uh, uh, election, solely because 
you know, Joe and Kamala are not going to have a race. I mean, it is going to be them. That is who we're, uh, we're backing. Uh, that is who uh, we'll be having a convention over and all of that. So turnout may be a little bit low. Use that to your advantage. Get your posse together. Get your group together. Form your clubs, your groups. Start talking to people. You can do all of that work now, and you're going to have a blast doing it. I like that, Stephen. And again, we're asking people to run many campaigns. And if folks want to talk about targeting or anything like that, they should reach out to me through info at louisianalefty.rocks because I am happy to help people consider how they can approach those races. Of course, I believe we've shared that information sufficiently over the course of five seasons of the podcast, but I'm also happy to help people hone that for their own personal race if they would like to. DSCC specifically, I'm talking. Yeah, I think that, that that's so important. And again, too, I'd love to be able to help in any way I can as well. Um, if it makes sense uh, to maybe host uh, kind of like um, uh, a Q&A or maybe I'll yeah. even set up some sort of a, a thing. I'm more than let's, happy to do that do if we want to do something live. Yeah, let's do a live on that and see I love that. folks that want to come on and, and talk about that. I love that a lot. I think that that would be a lot of fun. And uh, but but certainly shoot a note over to um, uh, to Linda at Lefty uh, to let her know that you guys want to do a live. Um, I think that that could be a lot of fun uh, to to get together and talk strategy uh, for being able to uh, run a, a large group of folks. Um, I think uh, new folks who've never been involved before. It's a perfect opportunity. If not now, when? Uh, the next four years, think about all of the decisions that are going to happen in the next four years of the state party, um, because we will have to pick who's going to um, follow uh, 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 this uh, president and his administration. We're going to have to decide um, how we're going to represent uh, for and fight for um, uh, control of our legislature and who's in the governor's mansion. There's a lot of work to do, um, but it starts today. And I'm excited to be part of that in any way you guys want me to. Well, look, the mission to recruit and train the next set of folks who will run for legislative seats starts in one year. Ooh. In one year. So if you want to be a part of that, now is the time to start getting engaged and to yep. look at running in December and getting on that DSCC. However, if you're interested in being one of those people that runs for the legislature, your first race may be this DSCC race, and it will give yeah. you an idea. If you run a good race for DSCC, it'll give you a good idea of how you're going to run a race for the legislature or school board or whatever. Yep. You and I could probably, if we spent five minutes, could probably build a list of near 100 people that got their start by running for the DSCC seat and now have become state senators, state legislators, mayors. Uh, and and I, I think that that's pretty exciting. So whatever your path may be, maybe you never want to be that part. That's fine. Um, but we do need folks uh, that can step up uh, and help make those uh, things happen uh, because we need better people running for office. And the only way better people will run is if there is a support structure behind them, like DSCC members that are willing to roll up their sleeves and help them out. You can be minimally involved, but there's a ladder of engagement that runs right through the Democratic State Central Committee. 
For those of us of a certain age, we might call that a choose your own adventure. (laughs) All right, Stephen, thank you so much. We have a couple of other things we're going to talk about in the next couple of episodes. So I hope people will tune in, but it's all going to be related to state party stuff. I absolutely love it, Linda. So great to get to chat with you about things that we care so much about. Thank you for listening to Louisiana Lefty. Please follow us on your favorite podcast platform. Thank you to Ben Collinsworth for producing Louisiana Lefty, Jen Pack of Black Cat Studios for our super lefty artwork, and Thousand Dollar Car for allowing us to use their Swamp Pop Classic Security Guard as our Louisiana Lefty theme song.